I'm so excited about the Holy Ghost and things of the Lord. I'm thankful for the opportunity to teach once again in this great church and to be a part of it. I've got a um, just so much, so much good the Lord's doing in my life. And you know, I I prayed a simple prayer and um, the Lord answered it uh, so quickly. I prayed. I said, Lord, I know that my pastor, my brother, has been specifically teaching about spiritual gifts. And I, I have a thousand things I could talk about, um, things from my daily devotions, things I love to teach about, communicate about, yet I want to minister in a way that would connect with where the church is going. You know what I'm saying? It makes, only makes logical sense that, we, that I am not a, um, just a distraction, but continuation of where the Lord's taken the church. So I, I prayed that, and the Lord gave me something I'm so thankful for. So I'm excited to share it with you. Before I share it with you, though, I have to tell you this story. Uh, this, I guess, is a prayer request because it's been on my mind, and um, I've just got to tell somebody about it. So evidently, one of our Indiana um, Pentecostal ladies went on an extended vacation in Florida, and uh, she left her sister in charge back home here in Indiana to take care of uh, the house and the animals and just check on mom and all those things. So she um, called one day and said, how's everything going? And her sister here at home said, well, the cat died. And sister in Indiana started to cry and said, what, why would you say that? That cat is important to me. I love that cat. You don't just tell someone their cat died. You tell them, you know, she said, you can't just say it like that. She said, well, I, I know it's important to you, but I thought I would just get the truth out. So you just don't, you just don't do that. You say something gradual. And she said, well, what do, you, what, what do you suggest? She said, well, first you say, like, the cat's on the roof, and we can't get the cat down. And then the next time we talk, you say that the cat got injured. And then the, then the third time we talk, you say the, cat, uh, the cat's not going to make it. You say it's not going to make it. You see, that matters. I'm so upset about this cat, I can't even enjoy my vacation. She said, well, I, I'm sorry. You know who I am. I just speak straight to the point, the Indiana sister said. So the lady in Florida said, okay, well, I guess that's all right. So how's mom? And she said, well, she's on the roof and we can't get her down. I'm sorry. I told you that was a prayer request. Evidently, there's a family we need to be praying for. And <laughs> now I feel better. I got that off of my, it just been bothering me. I had to tell somebody. And like my brother said, I, I'm not supposed to repeat it, so I can only tell it once. That's it. All right. So do you have your papers? Are you ready to roll? Is the Lord good? And didn't the Lord invent laughter? Isn't he the one who created that? I think that was his deal. Yes, I believe it. All right, so the key word is receive. Lord Jesus, help me to communicate this word, I pray. There is a key understanding, a secret, if you'd like to think of it that way, that applies to all things God wants to do in your life, including the infilling of the Holy Ghost, 
and operating the gifts he has given you. You may want to underline that. God has given you, and that you may even write there, that means me, given you gifts. God has given us power, the gifts of the Spirit, the work in miracles, speaking, knowing, praying, so much more. God's the one who parcels the gifts out as he wills. But God's part is not lacking. God is not hoarding the gifts of the Spirit. Can you imagine that? Think of the visual understanding of God just keeping all his gifts to himself in heaven on his storeroom shelves and not allowing the people of God to experience them. That's not God's design. God is not hoarding his gifts. He's not a stingy child saying, you're not going to play with my toys. Instead, he wants to freely give. The Bible talks about freely. You have been freely given, give to others that way. Freely. You've received them freely, give them freely. God is a giver. He loves to give gifts. Ephesians says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. That's part of what Jesus did in his, in his defeating the enemy during his time being in the grave. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. He, he did that. No one can control that. I can't give the Holy Spirit to anybody. I don't have it to give. But I can tell anyone who's praying for it, it is a gift. It's for you. It's yours right now. You have to simply receive it. Today, I was just been praying about all these things and thinking about all this stuff. And to, in my mind, it came this, uh, I guess, a commercial I heard years ago called Indiana Unclaimed. You ever heard of that? Anybody ever got anything? Somebody has. Oh, cool. It's a state program that attempts to um, re- give back to the correct owners cars, furniture, uh, real estate, uh, checks, dividends, overpayments, all kinds of monies that people evidently don't realize it's theirs that, that they, have, they, they can claim it or belongs to them because of a family member passed on and it's just laying there unclaimed. It's in some area, some place, some bank account, in some yard, some holding, some file, and it will stay there until someone claims it. Evidently, there's millions and millions of dollars of all the aggregate real estate, cars and furniture, and all these things that are just unclaimed. Now, that's crazy to me. That makes me like sad to think that someone has something, belongs to you, or belongs to your family, and you don't know about it. But that's exactly what we're talking about in a spiritual sense, right? God is the giver of gifts. He's the one who designed this concept. Remember, he wants all to be saved, the Bible said. He is not happy with just a few that to be saved. He says he desires all to be saved. He gave gifts, the Holy Ghost, for everybody. Literally, you could talk to someone in the street and say, I know there's a gift that has your name on it. God's got a gift for you. That it would be true. It's called the Holy Ghost. Everyone on the planet 
Rich and poor, high and low, far and near, doesn't matter who they are, God has it for them. The Bible says God parceled these gifts out as he sees fit. He's the sole producer of the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you'll be blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about this later. But it's important to understand, the King James Version says like this, that you, you come behind in no gift. Now, I, I want to think to myself, who is he talking to? Who is in part of this scene? This is the Corinthian church. This is the first chapter of the first book of Corinthians, right? This is the church that's in a world of mess. Paul hasn't started to address all the bad things they're doing yet. He certainly hasn't gotten anybody straightened out yet, right? He's just starting off. He's saying, you come behind in no gift? Hmm. I wonder if they looked around and said, well, I don't see anybody prophesying in my church. I don't know about any miracles or faith or words of wisdom or I don't know all these things. I've not seen it happen. But just because you and I don't see it happen doesn't mean God has not given the gift. It can be right here, right in you, right in you, right in you, right in you, right in me. And that the giver is not responsible for the operation. We are. This is our part. Receive is not God's part. Receive is my part. Right? Otherwise, if that was the case, everybody would be born, get to the age of accountability, and instantly speak in tongues. Correct? It would just happen. But it doesn't happen that way. Why? Because we have a power to resist God. We have a power to say no. We have a power to choose. We have a power to choose. We're going to do things our own way. Until some of us get through life and beat ourselves up enough, we say, okay, I'm done with that. I want to choose God's way. Anybody like, feel that way besides me? Sometimes you just you frustrate your own self. Yes. God has gifts for you, and he's given them to you and to me. That, that's exciting when you think about that. Some of you would get more excited for a $20 check in Indiana unclaimed than you would about this message <laughs> or, or some rest of your old car that your grandpa supposedly going to gave you. You'd be like, oh yeah, I got an old car. You've got something that's, that's not going to get rusty or get taxed or ever fade away. Powerful gifts of God. And it's not on my authority. I don't have the storehouse for him. God does. He gives them. He intends them for you and for me. That's so powerful, so exciting. What does Luke say? Now, this is a beautiful picture in understanding how God acts. Is he stingy? Is he, is he hard to push? Is he tough to deal with? For if, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. And another, one of the uh, disciples said it like this, one of the uh, gospels says, to give good gifts unto them that ask him. Which is the same thing because the Holy Ghost is a good gift. Anybody believe that? Anybody know that? The Holy Ghost is a good gift. It's, yes, it is. Come on now. There is, he said, if you're evil, which hopefully none of you would ever fall into that category of wanting to give a 
snake to a child that asks for food, or a scorpion to a child that asks for an egg. We're not like that, to give a stone instead of a, a loaf of bread. But our, our nature is so much less than God, so much, so much lower. Yet God is that much higher to say, I want to give you good gifts. I'm not holding these back for me. All right, number two, and I don't have my blanks with me. My, I got the blank page. I need a, someone to fill it in for me back there. Just let the Lord tell you what to say. And come, there it is, beautiful. God delights in giving gifts to us for the use of the kingdom, for his glory and for his purposes. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 and some of Romans 12, that chapter is the origination of the gifts or the foundational understanding of what they are and where they come from. If you need to categorize in your mind, it helps sometimes to put a large grouping over this. Chapter 12 especially gives you the understanding. And then chapter 14, instead of the origination, chapter 14 is the operation. How they're managed, how they're used, how they're corrected in the body. That's what those chapters show. These varieties of gifts, ministries, operations are given to one and then to another and another. First Corinthians 12 says, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. This is God's will. If you say, I want to know what God's will is, I can tell you some things I know without a shadow of doubt are God's will. He wills it all to be saved. That, there's no doubt about it. There's no questions about that. But it looks like here it says he wills to give out his gifts. That's one of his wills. He does it as he wills. He gives it out and he distributes it. What does Luke 12 say? Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure. Someone say good pleasure. Say it. Good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's his delight. It's your father's good pleasure. You know another way to say good pleasure? That's jumping up and down. That's excitement. That's delight. It's happiness. It's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What is the kingdom? The Bible says the kingdom is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Spirit are part of that kingdom. They're part of that walking in righteousness. It's part of righteous acts, showing God's glory to one another and to the world. It's his good pleasure. He is not holding back. He delights to do this. So it's not enough that God wants to give these gifts. This is very important. We have to receive them. We have to receive them. Um, I read a story many years ago about a young man graduating high school. He really wanted money for a car. He wanted a couple thousand dollars at least from his dad. And um, his father and him were in a struggle. His dad wanted to be a witness to his boy about how God had changed his life. But the young man didn't want to hear about it. It was a struggle. It was a battle back and forth. So graduation day came, and the 18-year-old young man was very disappointed when his dad gave him a Bible with his name on it. 
He tossed it in a box with mementos, all those get those graduation cards and all the things you have from, from high school, and left. Only after his father died did he browse through those old high school memories, came across the Bible it was given to him. When he opened it, there was a check inside the back cover for $2,000. His dad hadn't forgotten, but had given him exactly what he needed. Your father in heaven has not forgotten. But just because he's given the gifts doesn't mean you have them. Just because he's given the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you've got it. You actually have to receive it. Just because he wants you to have the gift of the gifts of the Spirit and it's in your life doesn't mean you operate in it. You have to receive it. There is a part on my part and a part of his part, the giving part and the receiving part. We know this as children. It kind of makes sense. Someone gives us something, we say thank you, and we take it. One party has to give the gift. The other party must receive it. And there can be a long time in between each part. This happens. We've talked to people that have prayed for the Holy Ghost for years, only to find out that what they've been doing was the Holy Ghost. That you have the Holy Ghost in your private prayer time. Jennifer's mother had that happen to her. She prayed for the Holy Ghost, prayed for the Holy Ghost. When Jennifer got the Holy Ghost, she got her to the side and said, okay, what did you do first? What did you say? How did you hold your arms? What did they tell you to say? What happened? What was your A, B, and C? You know, she wanted to kind of, she wanted literally on a list. Because Jennifer was 12 years old. They'd been a part of the, the Methodist church for years. They had repented. They loved the Lord. We had a worship service just conveniently after the Christian school open house. How did that happen? I don't know. Mom and dad said, if you guys want to stay for Sunday service, evening service, right after the open house, you can. And of course, all the kids said, let's stay, let's stay. And they stayed. And after, when worship service was going on, Jen just walked to the front and just started speaking in tongues. She went back to tell her dad, daddy, I got the Holy Ghost. And she couldn't say it in English. And he couldn't deny that. What are you going to say? It's not just crazy people. Now my daughter is saying words. She thinks in her head, Daddy, I got the Holy Ghost. And it comes out something way different from that. And, but it made Mom Hudiger upset. I've been going to women's prayer meetings for years, she said. I've been praying for this for years. How do I do this? What do I do first? What do I do second? What do I do third? Finally, when many months later... She's down here praying for the Holy Ghost, and she starts speaking in tongues. They say, that's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. She said, what? I've been doing that for prayer meetings for six years now. I didn't know that was it. People do have in their mind that they're going to have to fall over or see an angel or something's got to happen. It's going to make you chill or shake or get dead or something. It's scary. That Really, these are stories. What, what, is it, what am I trying to illustrate? Just because there's a giver doesn't mean you're going to receive it until you realize some things. And then you say, oh, now I can receive that. This is not a story about other people. This is you and me. It applies to us. Mm, come on, somebody. That, I feel like the Holy Ghost is talking to us right now. This is the Lord speaking to you, wanting to use you and use me. The giver has done his part. He, he completed his part. The receiver must do their part. And when he was coming to the house in Matthew 9, 
blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to, according to, what's it say? According to your faith. Their faith. Not, not according to his faith. That would have been a lot better. According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Why does it matter what my faith is? Because I have a part to play. If I have little faith, and i do not sure, not believe it, or believe God, or believe His Word, I won't experience much. There is a part of your faith and a part of my faith. It makes a difference. Be it unto you according to your faith. Can you imagine that inside God's design, there are some things that you have control over? What happens to you? You do. It's the easiest thing to do, and our pastor talked about it, comparing the gifts of the Spirit to the Holy Ghost. And that's, they have a correlation. In that same way, you have to believe that you can receive the Holy Ghost. I have grown in my praying for people to receive the Holy Ghost throughout the years. I've grown, I've changed, I've learned some things. Like all people do, you, you do it enough time, you realize what works and what doesn't work, and even what's biblical and what's not biblical. I've prayed all kinds of crazy prayers. Young, a young person, even to my mid-20s, praying prayers that were probably not even in the Bible. Prayers like, um, Lord, they got the Holy Ghost, help them to fill up on the Holy Ghost. Now they're going to fill up for Monday. Help them to fill up for Tuesday. Help them to fill up for Wednesday. That's not in the Bible. That it's not like this chart that fills up to a certain level and carries them for a certain amount of days. That's not in the Bible. Um, and Lord, pour out the Holy Ghost on them. Pour them out, Lord. I've sung, sung, pour out the Holy Ghost. That's not in the Bible either. Oh, boy. Now that, I'm getting someone's going to be in trouble. I'll prove it to you in just a minute. They didn't pray for that. No one ever prayed in the Bible to pour it out. Hmm, you know why? We'll get there. I'm not there yet. Hold on. I prayed for a lot of things, but here's what I've learned. I've learned it's okay to stop someone after they're praying and they haven't received the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because I completely believe with all my heart that God has given it and they only need to receive it, right? So if they're not receiving it, something has to change. So we need to stop them and say things like to them. Here's a question I ask that's a tough one. Do you believe that you can receive the Holy Ghost? If they don't believe it, no amount of sweating and hallelujahs and handshaking will ever make a difference. Because it's not God's fault, right? It's not His part is to give. Here's the next question. Do you believe that when you receive it, you're going to speak in a language you don't understand? If they don't believe that or if they're not sure about it, we've got to talk. Otherwise, they can't receive it if they don't believe it. And likewise for you and for me and for you and you and you, the gifts of the Spirit are powerfully available to you and I. God gives them out. He's given to every man as he will. And it takes us to believe it and then to operate in it. Wow. Here we go. The disciples prayed for the Holy Ghost to be received in Acts 8. Now, here's the great questions the Lord put in my head. What did they pray for? Thank you. And who 
did they pray about? Let's read it. Acts chapter 8. And when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. All right, let's back up a minute. Here's the scene. The Lord sends Philip on an on a evangelistic mission. He's preaching to this area of Samaria. God is working through him. <clears throat> By this time already, the people have believed. They've experienced miracles. They've had great joy. They've, had, they've been loosed from their fear of the man in the city that was a sorcerer. And they've been baptized. Yet, they haven't received the Holy Ghost. The Bible doesn't give us any indication why. The best I can understand is that Philip had prayed for them. He baptized them, right? He's going to baptize them. He's not going to bring them up and not pray. They receive the Holy Ghost. But whatever happened, they prayed and tarried and did not receive it. They did not receive it. Now, and I'll tell you why I believe them. Because when the disciples came, they had a singular prayer. They prayed that the people would receive the Holy Ghost. Why would you pray that unless they're struggling to receive it? You see? That makes clear sense. Now here's the theme. What do the disciples not pray for? Oh, that is a powerful. I, I love this. There's a whole world of, of understanding called counterfactual. It's fun stuff. Books and stories. What would happen if history turned out counterfactual? So what would happen if Hitler had not been defeated? Or what would happen if uh, the Titanic hadn't gone down? Or what would happen if? What would happen if? In the Bible, I can sometimes look and see what they did not pray for. They did not pray for God. They did not pray for God to get in the Holy Ghost. Or for God to get better. Or for God to get the, hey God, can you see us over here? They didn't pray for God. They didn't pray he would send it. They didn't pray he would, that they would, oh God, would you please baptize him with the Holy Ghost. They only prayed for the only people that needed prayer. And God's not one of those people. They prayed for the humans would receive the gift that God already gave. <laughs> I love it. It was so exciting. They did not come out and say, all right, let's get together and pray that God will stop working, you know, over there in Ethiopia and come over here. We need God over here. We need the Lord. Come on. Somebody do something. Get God. Let's pray for God. Come on, God. Have mercy. God hears. They didn't pray that. Why would they not pray that? Because God already gave the Holy Ghost. Right? He already poured it out. They only prayed for people. And, oh, God, we need you. But what, who do we really, what needs to be changed here? God doesn't need to change. God doesn't need to get more interested. God doesn't need to get more strong, more powerful, more caring, more kind, more involved. The people need to receive it. That's the prayer. Well, they prayed they would receive it. My mother has a license plate. She has to get renewed every once in a while. Her license plate says, God's RN, G-O-D-S-R-N. And the folks at the license branch in Missouri have always asked her, 
so, Mrs. Harple, does God need a nurse? And she says, no, that's not what I mean. I mean that I'm a nurse that belongs to God. But they always think it's funny. Oh, God's RN. God's wonder God has a doctor. God has a nurse. But <laughs> what they're missing is this. God's not sick. He's not reluctant or tired or busy working in some other revival or some other better church or some other better person or on vacation or angry with you. Wow, I love that about God. He's involved. Remember what Elijah said? He mockingly said that very thing to the priest of Baal who could not get their God's attention. And it came to pass at noon in 1 Kings chapter 18 that Elijah mocked them and said, cry aloud for, for he is a God. This is a lot of sarcasm in the Bible. This, this verse is full of sarcasm. For he is a God. For Maybe he's talking, Elijah said. He's, you know, he's, that God talks a lot. Maybe he's got to get him to stop talking. Or he's pursuing, which means he's out running after somebody else or doing something. Or he's on a journey. That's vacation. That's what I would call a vacation. Or maybe he's asleep and must be awakened. You see, that's the false God of this world. That's not my God. My God doesn't have to be woken up or get interested or get over here and talk to him. He's already given out the Holy Ghost. We're the ones that need prayer today so that we can believe and receive what God's already purposed in his heart to give us. Someone say hi, hello, amen, thank the Lord. Except for the clicking of the books, I'm not sure if I'm alone. I think I can see you. I think you're here, hopefully. Wow, okay. We have a powerful God. So, we're on number five. God poured out his spirit on all flesh. And this includes prophecy, visions, wonders, and signs. If you looked up poured out or to pour out, it means gushed out or to be just emptied out. God poured out the Holy Ghost. Poured it out. No one ever in the Bible ever prayed again for God to pour out the Holy Ghost like he did originally. And you know why they didn't? Because he poured it out. It's already here. Nobody has to get together and pray, oh God, would you pour out the Holy Ghost? No, because he poured it out. And no one has to pray, oh God, I hope you would give this church some gifts of the Spirit. He said, I led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. That's his design. He created this, right? Come on, someone. This is the Holy Ghost. This is a powerful God. Listen, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, saith God. I will pour out on, my, on your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor smoke. And that wasn't just for that moment. Remember the end of Peter's message? This promise is unto you and to your children and to their children and to those afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. <clears throat> well, he's called all of us. Peter was the one that preached this message. So why was he surprised when it happened 10 years later? Isn't that funny? Peter was the one that preached that word. 
But 10 years later, he was shocked. And they of the circumcision, those of the Jews, which believed in Acts 10, were astonished as many who came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard the secret tongues and magnified God. Then Peter said, answered, can any man forbid water? Seeing that, they, that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as I, well as we. And then when Peter was giving his account to the council of what God had done to the Gentiles, he said, then remembered I the word of the Lord. I remembered. Hold on, Peter said. Wait a minute, it's been a decade, but I remember something. How that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the gift like he did in us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Mm. We have a God that has poured out his spirit on every body. It is not true that God has churches he likes more than others, or nations he likes more than others, or people in some city don't like the people in the other city. God has poured it out. It's for the people to receive it, right? It's for the people to receive it. They can be right there touching it and not receive it. Did you know that denominal churches, some that you would maybe have come from in your past, many, many of those a hundred years ago experienced the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues. Now, some of them were asked to leave, and others of them formed other groups, but all of those churches had the Holy Ghost fought with hungry hearts. People hunger for God. Why would that happen? Because he poured it out, right? He makes a promise, and he can't lie. My dad would tell me, in his time, I believe it was the Methodist church, dad would be leading the song service, and the church he went to, it was... Um, important for everyone to stay in order. No one got out of their seat. No one raised their hand. No one shouted hallelujah. You ever been to one of those churches? Anybody know it's not like you? has got to, you know, there's a program and you better stay with it. Or if God doesn't come with you, he's going to be left out. He's got to come with it. And dad said there was an old guy, and I'm thinking that he was one of those guys that had gotten the Holy Ghost. He would be singing the song and get just riled up. Somewhere sitting over there where Donna Rochelle was sitting, in that area, sitting over there, just get just riled up. And then he would start to walk up and down the aisles and looking at the people. And he would say, can't you feel it? Can't you feel it? And the people would mostly, dad said, would just ignore him or look away or just be embarrassed. Or, you know, dad would look at the pastor and they would just keep on singing the hymnal. They didn't know what to do. He would just walk around, can't you feel it? Can't you feel it? Can't you feel it? Imploring the people walking up and down the aisles, can't you feel it? Do you know what that was? The Holy Ghost was right in that church. That moment, anybody come to the altar, child or 80-year-old grandma, come to the altar right then, or even in their pew and say, Lord, I love you. I receive it. I believe that the Holy Ghost is for me. I believe it. Right then could have got it. Even though most quiet and boring a song ever created, it didn't make a difference. He's still the God of all creation. He made a promise, and he's going to fulfill it. And the same thing applies to the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Yes, it does. Oh, come on, someone. 
Just say, just talk to the Lord for just a moment. Lord, I feel it. I feel your spirit in this place. I, I don't want to rush by you. I don't want to hurry on, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I thank you that I'm in a church that can move and operate in the Holy Ghost, but that doesn't mean that I will. I have got to, Lord. I've got to say yes to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. The Holy Ghost is for everyone. The Bible says something different about the gifts of the Spirit. Therefore, each one. Someone say, I'm in each one. I know that's not probably proper grammar. Probably there's an English teacher somewhere unhappy with me. But it is the Bible. Each one. That means God gives out the Holy Ghost to all creation. He's poured it out for everyone. But the gifts of the Spirit, he puts to each one, as he will. Now, that doesn't mean he left you out. You have a gift of the Spirit in your life. You might have more than one. You might have several. But he's the one who lays those out. First Corinthians says it like this. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Someone need to line that. Every man. Every person. That's everybody. No one's left out of that list. No one's, no one's left out of that. No one's been too bad. No one's come from too bad of a past. No one's been too distant. God, he, everyone. One place he says, his gifts and calling are without repentance. That means he gives them out. He does not take them back. And you say to yourself, why are there some people in the world that have such incredible, obvious gifts from God in the way they speak or they sing or they play? Why is that happening? Because his gifts do not have strings on them. He doesn't pull those back. You say, wait a minute, they, they're into drug use or they're into evil practices or they're, they're, they don't believe there's a God anymore. His gifts don't come back to him. Ha! That means if that can happen for the world, he's got gifts for you and I that he's not going to pull back from you. There's no going to be a, a report card that's going to say, oh, you got a B minus. I'm taking the gift back. It didn't say that in the Bible. Come on, somebody. That's exciting. This is good pleasure. This is delightful stuff. And Luke 19, he says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Say all the power. Wow. That offer was never rescinded. Never. It was never taken back. It was never erased. He never said to Luke, hold on, somebody tell Luke to erase that part. It never was. 1 Corinthians says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. Here's that verse we're going to touch again. That in everything you're enriched by him. Say, I'm enriched. You don't feel very rich. You may not look like you've been very enriched. You know there's some enriched wheat, maybe some enriched bread, <laughs> but I don't, you don't look all that enriched. The Bible says you're enriched by him. I don't know what you're enriched in. It may not be silver dollars and gold coins, but you're enriched in something. He wouldn't have put it in there. Do you believe the word is true? You're enriched. Say, I'm enriched. You better start feeling more enriched because you don't ain't convinced me yet. Oh, here's some things you're enriched in. Here we go. Thank you, Lord. There's more of the Bible that didn't stop right then. I'm so glad. In all utterance, 
That's in everything you say comes out of your mouth. Utterance. And in all knowledge, that's the stuff inside your head. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. So that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the Amplified. That you are not consciously falling behind or lacking any special spiritual endowment or Christian grace. The reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating in your souls by the Holy Spirit while you wait and watch, constantly living a hope for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and His being made visible to all. Wow! You are not lacking. You are not behind. You're not missing. He said, I've given it to you. I've got it for you, for you, for you. Wow, I hope you can convince God more than convince me. Because I don't know that some of you are very convinced. You're like, I don't think I'm enriched very well. I don't feel so enriched. Or enriched, either one. In or enriched. Okay, God has given us the ability, this is the bad news, to restrict or release either one. We can restrict or release what the Spirit does in our local church. God has given us the ability. He's given you the ability. That means you can shut down the Holy Ghost. I have prayed for people before. I can feel it on them. I see it on them. They begin to have something happen in their mouth. They're trembling, and then the teeth close like they bit something back. It's literally like they shut down. Ooh, I'm losing control of my mouth. I better stop this right now. Something's coming over me that I don't know what that is. Just quiet it. And I've, I've tried, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, to talk to them and say, okay, let's put your hands down. Let's stop a minute. God's not going to be mad or leave when we stop praying. He's not, he's not upset because we stop for a moment. Matter of fact, he wants me to talk to you. You have the ability, I tell them, like a person closing the door or opening the door to close God out and open a door to open let him in. No one practices the Holy Ghost. No one can teach you how to receive the Holy Ghost. But you can, by experience, learn things about the Holy Ghost. When you're new and you see it the first time, it's like something just hits you. And you hope it hits you like that again. You pray a hundred more times, receive the Holy speaking in tongues, you begin to realize there's a way of just letting the Holy Ghost flow. Right? Some of you can just get into prayer and just let that just happen. Some of you have to get fast 40 days, you know, and be in a desert. Then you can. But whatever. I know. We're all different, <laughs> we're all different makeups. All different kind of people. But it is true that you, after experience, you begin to just recognize that feeling of the Holy Ghost. You recognize that spirit. And the same thing with spiritual gifts. You can recognize certain things start to happen. If you've been serving the Lord long enough, you've been in church services or small group meetings, where people are talking, or things are going, all of a sudden, people are quiet, like a, like a heavenly hush has fallen. You just feel it. It's like a quietness. And then someone speaks out, and you know it's going to happen. There's going to be a tongue and a message of tongue. And then you might have been in a service or a situation where everyone's praising, a lot's going on, and someone's speaking in tongues real loud. I recognize after time that that's not the same thing. That is their spirit surrendering to the Lord. 
They're just saying, I love you, Jesus, or surrendering to Jesus. That doesn't mean that's the time for tongues interpretation because it didn't happen that same way of quietness that stilled the crowd. After a while, that's experience. You grow in that. You speak in tongues long enough. You spend a half a night or a whole night in prayer and speak in tongues most of the time. Wow, that'll change you. I can tell you. I can tell you that changes you. You'll speak in tongues a lot differently after that. Why? Because you just grow. You grow in it. God, God gave these gifts to fallible people. People that make mistakes. People that do things wrong and get the wrong words and get the wrong understanding. Otherwise, why would he have two or three in Corinthians judge and tell you if it's right or not or help you direct you? We're, we're human beings. If teaching is a gift from God and it gets better by exercising it, so does every other gift. Right? Of course it does. Sometimes you, one of the gifts of the Spirit can move on you and you feel a message from somebody, but until you get understanding, you may not realize that's not always for you to tell them what God told you. Then you need to pray, God, give me the right time to tell them. You see? Those, the Lord, he, he's, he is so wonderfully great to work with. He loves to do this. This is his good pleasure, not mine. I didn't write that part. I mean, in fact, I mean, most of this I didn't write. I got it from the Bible. That's supposed to be a joke, but not a lot of people got it. All right, here we go. Gosh, you guys are tough. Tough crowd. Okay, so we have the ability to restrict or release what the Spirit does in the local church. You have the power. You have got power to shut down the Holy Ghost in your life. You can't stop God on a global level. Of course not. You couldn't stop God from pouring out the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts. You couldn't. But you can't stop whether you're there or not. Yes, you could. You could say, I'm not going because I'm not sure what's going to happen. No one explained it. It's a promise. What will happen? I don't know. We're going to go and pray and see. Well, I need, more, I need more definition than that. I can't be just walking around praying for something. I don't know what it is. You have the power to stop it in your life. Or you have the power to release it in your life. Woo! What did Paul say? Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. There's, that's important. Hold fast that which is good. Do not quench. That means subdue or be unresponsive to the working guidance of the Holy Spirit. Do not hold back the work of stifle, quench, or extinguish the Holy Spirit. Pastor has compared this very thing in life. Here we are. Receiving the Holy Ghost, and we, we don't have a problem praying a second time. We don't have a problem praying a third time. We don't have a problem praying the fifth time. Because we know God's going to give it. In the same measure, there's a mentality that we need to take from that illustration, that part of our life, to the gifts of the Spirit. And praying. And it, it, this, is a, this is something that would be very tough for me. I have prayed people get the, to be healed many times in my life. I haven't prayed like this. I usually pray, and I believe God, and I say all the right things, and I'm looking for it. And if they're not healed right away, I'm saying, okay, well, I'm just going to go pray for somebody else. The story I read of a, a man of God, a pastor of a relatively small church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, is that he was called in to go and pray for a lady who had been in a car wreck. He did not realize it, but she had died. And he, uh, by the time he had gotten there, she had been in the room, 45 minutes, and they'd taken her to a uh, waiting area for the morgue. And when he arrived, um, he told the front desk he was there to pray for, and they laughed at him and said, well, sir, I'm sorry, but 
it's been 45 minutes ago that she, um, we called it. She's, she's gone. And so he said, I, well, I'm here to pray for her. God told me to pray for her. And they said, well, I don't know. I guess you can do that. So they took him back to the room. She had everything been all unplugged. She was laying under a sheet. It was over. And he did not lay hands on her. He just walked around the room praying. And I think I, I could have done that part, but then I would have left after I prayed. But he didn't. He believed so much that this was going to happen, that God had worked in his spirit, that, that work in the miracles, that faith, that special faith, that he just stayed in the room. And one minute went by, and three, and then five, and then ten. And they came in, and they were looking at him, and they were kind of joking, and they went back, went back out. And then another nurse came in looking at him. It was ten minutes. And then fifteen, and then twenty, and then twenty-five, and then thirty, and then forty, and then forty-five, and then fifty, and then fifty-five minutes, and then she got up. She got up, and then they were, of course, very shocked. She got up. She got dressed. She walked out of the hospital uh, in a two-week time period. She came to the church. She repented of her life. She re- received the Holy Ghost, and she died again. He went back to the hospital, and they very respectively this time said, Pastor, are you here to pray for her again? I said, no, she's really gone this time. I'm just here to say my respects. <laughs> she's really gone this time. Now, see, I believe God. I don't, I don't know if I'd be, leave God to stand around the room for 50 minutes until she got up. But see, that's a concept of receiving, truly believing. Hey, it's God's design for you to have the Holy Ghost. There's no doubt about it. It's up to you. It's up to me. When, when this not happening, I no longer pray for God to have mercy on the person. I no longer pray for God to have, to, to please, you know, do it, Lord, to do it like you said in the book of Acts. I don't do that anymore. I don't, cause I know that's not, that's a wasted prayer. God's saying, yeah, I've already done it. I'm already doing all my part. Instead, I talk to the person to find out if they really believe it, if they're going to receive it, if they know of something in their life that's blocking and keeping them from God, if there's something they haven't repented of. God has a design, right? He wants to give his gifts. I've proven it through 10 verses already. Look at what the Bible says. Matthew 13. Jesus is in the city and the word says, and he did not mighty works there because of their, someone say that word, unbelief. It wasn't that Jesus was unwilling. It wasn't that he wasn't present in that city or lacking in ability. It was their decision. We don't believe he can do it. And he didn't do it. Hebrews 3 and 12 says, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, and any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 19 says, so we see that they were not able to enter, talking about the promised land, because of unbelief. Wow. Okay, I'm about to wrap up. Almost done here. I've got one last section, and I love this part. Tell me what, Matt, there we go, there we go. I looked this up. Light and easy. You know when you look up light and easy? This is what you can find. Let's see, there's uh, 30 Southern Living Recipes, light and easy. There's a vacuum cleaner called Light and Easy. There's a steam iron, Light and Easy. There's some Light and Easy company that will deliver some kind of uh, diet food to your front door. There's Light and Easy, uh, there's margarine, there's Light and Easy um, paleo, there's Light and Easy gluten-free, there's Light and Easy, Light and Easy. The, 
boy, that our world is full of it. But that's in the Bible. Did you know light and easy is in the Bible? It is. Look at it. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest into your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Talk about the original light and easy. That's his design. Wow, how exciting that is. That God is not, not hard or mean or difficult or frustrating or stingy or distant or far away. It's light and easy. Now, it's still a yoke. That means it's a way to live that's not in my way. It's his way. It's still something on me that has to keep me going the right direction. But comparatively to man trying to do it himself, comparatively to the to all the all those people that Jesus was talking to, they're trying to earn their way to heaven. There's their righteousness, all their attempts in keeping all the six hundred variations of the law. My yoke is light and easy. My way is light and easy. Oh, I think the Lord probably would talk to us that way. It's not as hard or as painful or as difficult as we often make it out to be. If children, uneducated, the heathen throughout the ages, people from every culture can learn his ways, take his yoke and burden, then I think we can. Amen. If little bitty ones can come to the altar and put their hands in my, I love you, Jesus, start speaking in tongues, then you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If people that don't have no idea even what to say, don't even know what to do, don't even know how to speak about it, can receive his power, you can. If the missionary said a little lady that only knew the days of the week in English and misunderstood and thought she had to speak the days of the week to get the Holy Ghost, all she needed to do was say at her home, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and got the Holy Ghost doing that. How could you get the Holy Ghost saying the days of the week? But she did. Why? Because that's his delight. That's the kind of God we serve. He said, I want to pour it out on you. It's here for you. I've already done my part. You've got to receive it. Come on, someone. Take a minute right now and say, oh, I thank you, Lord, for your power, your might, your ability, and your desire. Your desire, Lord. I don't have to prove it to you or earn it. I have to receive it. I've got to receive it. I've got to receive it. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm reminded of a Calvin and Hobbes comic strip. You ever seen those before? Calvin and Hobbes, the little boy and his stuffed tiger who he imagines is real. They're watching a firefly out and by a picnic at late at night and little fireflies lighten up as it's going by. And Calvin... The boy begins to strain his muscles, strain everything he can, and looks over his shoulder. And the tiger, Hobbs, says, if you're asking, your rear end hasn't lit up yet. And he says, I don't even know what muscles to flex. I'm not sure what muscles. And you know, that's how we do a lot of times, too. We're like, I want the Lord so much. And the Lord says, okay, I'm here. I got you. And No, I've got to i got to pray like this really hard until I fall over or something happens. And God has it for you. For this is the love of God, John said, that we can keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. They're not difficult. They're not burdensome. 
that's the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord is He delights in giving His children the kingdom. The hand of the Lord is that He delights. It gives Him good pleasure. What would be the best thing for the Lord to do? That by the Holy Ghost moving through you, people would say, I know that didn't come from you. That had to come from God. There's no way you could have known that except God put it in your mouth. How could you have prayed that prayer except God gave you faith? How could that have happened? How would you have known what to do except God told you what to do? Where did that message come from except God put it in your mouth? To put? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I want to make him known. I want to know him, make him known. It's his delight to do that in you and me. Ooh, that's the power of the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I, I think that old guy would probably be walking around right now and saying, can't you feel it? Can't you feel it? Come on, stand your feet right now. Take a couple minutes with me right now. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Someone right now, receive it. Just reach out as he walks by. Oh, the song, the old song goes, just he is walking by this moment to hear your heart's cry. Oh, Lord Jesus. He's passing by this moment. Yes, he is. That's the spirit of the Lord. That's the kindness of the Lord. That's the mercy of God. Why do you repent? Because it's the goodness of the Lord that leads me to repentance. Oh, your goodness, Lord. Your mercy, your kindness. I feel your spirit in this place. You're visiting us, Lord, right now. You're visiting me right now. This is not my message, Lord. This is your message. Not my words. It's your words. I'm so thankful I get to share them, Lord. Under your anointing and power and inspiration, the Holy Ghost. Bigger than me, Lord. Bigger than my ability. Bigger than my tongue can hold, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, someone, right now. Just open that door and say, Lord, come in. I, I want you, Lord, in my life. Here's the door wide open. I'll take it off the hinges. I don't want any restriction, any hindrance between you and me, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, come on. That's right. Someone let that go just for this moment right now. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I want to operate, Lord, in your presence. I want to believe you, Lord. I want to connect with you, Lord. I want to to be distant from you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Tell someone you love them. Shake their hand. Hug them. Pray for them. The Holy Ghost be with you and on you. And be ready for the Lord to do something great in your life and through your life this week. In Jesus' name.